Hello and welcome to the Modern Fairy Sightings Podcast, where we listen to people's fairy encounters. But take heed, we're not talking about winged tinkerbells here. These are real fairies, real encounters that took people like you and I by surprise. Stay a while and hear their stories. My name is Joe Hickey Hall and I'm a folklore researcher. This podcast is of course free, but to ensure it continues, it does require support. If you can support the show and its continued research, there are a number of tiers to choose from, starting from a pound a month at patreon.com forward slash the Modern Fairy Sightings Podcast. From the fairy folk tier upwards, you'll have access to my monthly path workings, which are lead meditation visualizations. These aid inner journeying. With your support, I'm hoping to dedicate more time to this research and producing fortnightly podcast episodes. If you can't afford to support, then please do rate the podcast and it would be a great help if you can share your favourite episodes with your friends. Thank you. Welcome to episode 11, where we hear of an encounter which took place en route to a Wiccan ritual in a large park in England. It's a lovely share as the experience was so gloriously matter-of-fact. Increasingly, having chatted to our guests and through my research, it does appear to me that fairies are simply an aspect of nature that we don't currently understand. As such, they pop up from time to time in seemingly unpredictable circumstances. Or are there factors which make it more likely? We'll touch on these ideas in this episode. Thank you for all your lovely messages and tweets. Whether you have a story to tell or simply want to get in touch to let me know your thoughts or ideas on any of this or any of the episodes, you can contact me through my website at scarletofthefay.com and you can tweet me at underscore remain underscore curious. As always, please note that these are not fairy tales and are not suitable for children or those who might be sensitive to creepy content. I hope you enjoy the episode. It's actually the penultimate one of this series and I'll be back at the end for a brief reflection and to tell you about the last episode which will feature an interview with a well-known writer and investigator of folklore and fairy experience in this field. ritual um quite a large gang of people because people used to come out from london to guest with us so we're going with our coven with two other covens and we're going to an incredibly private area of it but we went to a very old part a wooded part and i was just walking along with um, a friend of mine um and on a on a path and then this little 
pixie, I think, uh, ran past and he's dressed in almost like Victorian working men's clothes, you know, like brown tweed jacket, brown tweed plus fours, little buckle shoes, socks, um, little pointy hat, you know, and got his little beard like like they depict leprechauns, um, little brown face, sparkling eyes. But he was running and he was running quite fast and I could hear it. And as he ran past, he just looked at both of us in the eye and nodded <laughs> <laughs> and, and ran on. And the thing is, because we were going to Richard, we we're already in, in, in a sort of beginning to be in an altered state. And she just turned to me and goes, oh, did you see the pixie? And I said, yeah. And then we <laughs> carried on walking. <laughs> oh, amazing. Not even anything incredible. Um, um, we, we then carried on and we had a, a fantastic uh, Wiccan ritual, so classic Wicca, God and Goddess, Midsummer, um, and there was a thunderstorm just rolling around the outside of the circle and distant lightning, and it was very warm, and this sort of pressurised effect of the wind and really dramatic, and um, then we were coming back, and as I said, there's quite a few of us who were carrying all this regalia, and as we came to the car park, um, my husband came out wearing a horned helmet, flanked by two ladies in cloaks carrying swords, and the people that were um, making love in the car just outside that, they managed to escape um, within seconds of seeing them in this crash of thunder and lightning. And oh. uh, Luckily, we uh, had really good friends in the area, and they warned us that some guys down the pub said they were going to find the witches and beat them up, because <laughs> some sort of yob <laughs> and they said stop working where you're working go somewhere else and that was that evening really we went back home and had a party and end of it but it really was very um sort of unremarkable to the two of us that saw it but in it I just was totally normal like she'd said did you see the sheep or something but he was yeah. so real um and I've also spoken to I, I did Tell, tell various people about it, but not like, oh, my God, you know, I've just seen a UFO or something. And a Scottish friend of mine had actually seen the same sort of guy. Um, he was sitting outside um, with his wife and the guy was in a tree watching them. And it was sounded exactly the same. And it does look like these little guys that you see in fairy books. So I have no idea. I wasn't looking for him. It wasn't part of the ritual. It was nothing that I was expecting we were actually talking about um I think her job at the time you know we weren't <laughs> yeah for pixies at all we weren't in ritual mode of course we were going to a ritual but but yeah there he was really it's just that this is the thing though a lot of people say the same in the um it's just a kind of natural thing it's not like a wow moment you know, they'll be in a situation that's got absolutely nothing to do with fairies whatsoever. And then something will happen. And, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't feel like a big wow. It's like sort of seeing something in nature. Yeah, it was absolutely like that. There was no no shock. And, and I think if you analyse that in a way, um, it sort of almost shows how real they are in some yeah. ways because there's no shock or was it wasn't it it's really so matter of fact I wonder yeah. if there's some level of us that do kind of recognize them you know I do I I do believe that <clears throat> that seems to be you know it maybe it is innate in us I mean the idea of seeing them for people that haven't seen them the idea of seeing them is so out there they think oh if I saw a fairy yeah. I would this I would that but actually when it happens 
it's just a very sort of natural flow of things and it's like oh okay yeah. um but it but it's but it's not as you you it's not how you would imagine it to be at all and it doesn't no. happen in the way that you would imagine it to either it's very mundane yeah but um do you think i'm i'm just wondering if he was running to the ritual maybe he was late for the ritual he was going in the opposite direction oh <laughs> he was running away from uh away from the yeah and we were yeah. going into the woods but I don't know whether he just, I, I don't know whether they can show themselves to us. Maybe they're there all the time and they choose to like turn a light on. Maybe mm. because we were going to a ritual, uh, we were going to go through different realms. Um, not, I don't think the realms particularly of theirs, a different sort of alternative realm, a different kind of other world, but maybe because we'd, were bridging the worlds uh he chose to show himself I think maybe they choose to show themselves in some way yeah this is what we you know I wonder about really whether it's um us catching a glimpse of their world or they somehow the veil is thin enough that they yeah, it show could themselves be. to us or, or, the, yeah. or that there's something in us that um in that moment opens us up mm. to it or whether it's just chance it's, it's hard to say but I think you know with the fact that you were going to a ritual maybe yeah, I think that does make it different yeah we were already walking towards the other world so yeah maybe we're open to see him but having said that I've not had a load of pixies sitting outside my rituals in woods you know that was the one sighting he, and he it felt like he knew we were going to a ritual and it was just like like when you hear dog walking and somebody goes hello you know hello yeah. just, just like that you know it was that level of, of greeting really yeah yeah that's really lovely so um you said he was wearing you know browns and a little hat and yes. could you see what his face was like at all yes um but how can I describe him just classic what what you imagine as a as a pixie really I mean probably not really really old you know I mean now mm. I'd say you know somebody in their 60s to 70s mm. um beard shortish sort of beard you know probably um a bit of salt and pepper and brown or the real sense of brownness you know right yeah. uh not a pointy nose like a little roundy nose a yes turn, sort of roundy nose and a little roundy red cheeks not bright red but healthy and sparkling brown eyes very brown brown eyes which i suppose might be giving away you know like a dog or a deer or something that yes. sort of brownness Nothing spooky. I'm sure he had whites of eyes and pupils and all that, but just there was a sense of brownness and also very, very sparkling, like some people you see with sparkly eyes. Um, sense, yes, some hair, some brown curly hair coming out from under his little hat. What was his hat uh, like? Well, pointy. Yeah. <laughs> pointy, um, curling over at the top, just such a classic image, you know, with yeah. a sort of not a, not a jotting out witch's brim, but a sort of sloping down brim. Um, very much his tweedy sense, brown tweed, some sort of little shirt. I can't think of what the shirt was, maybe a soft sort of white sort of shirt, you know, no tie. Yeah. I can't even remember what the top of it was like as a sense, you know, like an open neck shirt kind of thing, really. Mm. Um, mm. Definitely little plus fours. 
a tiny little feet, you know, he's his little man. I mean, uh, the height, I'd say his hat came to my waist and I'm five foot four. Okay. Or a bit smaller, actually, probably smaller. Maybe maybe his hat came to the middle of my thigh. He was that sort of size. And yeah. quite smartly along, not out of breath. Mm. And just a cheery greeting, just a cheery little hello sort of nod. No words, just a nod. I think that's a nice um, indication. I think that's a good indication that he was welcoming your work to the forest I mean that's you know that's <laughs> I couldn't possibly know that at all um but that seems like a nice welcome and if and if they are part of the forest and um you know guardians of the green and part of nature then that's a really nice welcome from nature for the ritual you were about to do I feel yeah 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 maybe um but he was running in the opposite direction but yes True. And I had no idea what he was doing. It was, of course, I hadn't thought of that. It was Midsummer Night. That's something I yes. never thought of talking to you today. Yes. We weren't doing a Midsummer Ritual with fairies. We were doing the classics sort or of God and Goddess um, heterosexual union type thing for Midsummer, the usual mm-hmm. wicked thing. We weren't doing a fairy Midsummer thing, but it was Midsummer's Night, actually. I'd mm-hmm. never thought of that. Um, so, so Shakespeare... You know, Shakespeare seemed to know a thing or two. Maybe that's why he had his fairies then. And I've never seen one in full manifestation other than some Wiccan gods, um, again, at more well, around midsummer, really. So maybe the veil is thin then, like it is at Halloween. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, around the equinoxes as well, mm. it's always possible for things to manifest too. That is a really potent time as well, isn't it? that's really that's really great so did you and your friend um did it mark any kind of transition in your life at the time or for for both of you no not at all we just carried on as normal just carried on nothing nothing of any any except that I saw it and I was so not even bothered and and she turned around and said did you see the pixie and I said yeah and, and we both, that was it, you know, we didn't yeah. tell everybody else, oh, we've just seen the pixie, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Just, there was a lot of jokes because I was pregnant and Rufus didn't know the way and we were bickering about the right way and somebody said, um, I'd rather follow Mr. Logic than Mrs. Hormone. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was just joking going on, really. It was like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it, the fact that he looked at you in the eye as well is that's another yeah. hallmark of a lot of these encounters is that there is that eye contact yeah and it's quite it's quite memorable for the person yeah well I just nodded back at him like normal um like you do somebody nods you nod <laughs> just mm. nodded back you know and didn't, that was it yeah I mean I was interested in the clothes because what do you expect them to wear? You know, would you expect them to be wearing sort of um, Gore-Tex these days rather than this sort of Victorian wear? Why, why would he have that era of clothing on? That's that's interesting. It was natural fibres, but why would he be wearing something from a particular era? And why do they always paint them like that? Why did I see him in that? Is it because they're depicted like that? You know, that sort of form of being... Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. 
What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. They do often appear in this kind of archetypal clothing. And, you know, we wonder whether it's because we've been, you know, we're familiar with Brian Froud or, or you know, yeah. other depictions. Um, but it does seem to work like that. I just don't know why. They seem comfortable in those clothing. <laughs> I feel like... I just don't know, really. I mean, I guess that was the sort of clothing before the industrial period. Um, So does that have some kind of bearing on it? I don't know. When we were once, you know, much closer to nature um, and and things lived lived in balance. And maybe maybe that's the the era that they prefer to stay in. And, you know, like you say, other people see them in medieval clothing it's just open isn't it for discussion because we don't know but I do find it interesting that some people that have absolutely no previous familiarity with Brian Froud and his artwork and similar sorts of artwork will still see them dressed like that. I've seen his work but I don't own his books and it probably would from what I vaguely remember look like that yeah it would. Mm. but some people when they've seen them like that they'll say oh that's strange because I just thought fairies were these kind of little twinkly things like Tinkerbell so they're looking out for Tinkerbells yeah. and they end up seeing a kind of archetypal fairy instead oh, I've never so, seen a Tinkerbell I've seen your medieval people with my third eye but I've never ever seen a, a Tinkerbell fairy no neither have I um but there is uh there's one encounter of a more sort of tinkerbelly sized fairy not that they were tinkerbell in nature but more that sort of tiny fairy with wings there is one on um it's called the honey bandit on the podcast going back to what you saw did either of you sense anything in your bodies when you saw it or again no it was just totally normal there was no sense of anything it, it was yeah we, we we just saw him with our eyes and heard him running as well we could hear him running yeah um but there was no weird body stuff going on or any other senses particularly no so the um the rest of the forest remained the same when you saw him yeah. in that moment as well he was very much just literally running along the path as a real living leaf crunching person not as any kind of um altered state or sense of changes in the forest or <clears throat> anything like that or like the uh the, the frostiness that comes with one of these medieval type fairies none of that he was much more uh in this world you know much more part of this world in a way so talking to you thinking about it like we were talking earlier about these sort of medieval fairies you can see with your third eye they they do feel much more otherworldly but this yeah. feels very very real part of this world almost like they could just live here with us you know it just does feel like they are and they're just much more closer to the physical their vibration is is perhaps more dense than the other ones that we might perceive with the third eye so they are just very much alongside us and much more easy to connect with um do you feel like you might go back there at any time do you you still visit there 
No, sadly, uh, you know, we used to live there and that's where we worked. I could, couldn't even find it again now, to be honest. I do um, go to my place here. Um, I do love that part, but I can't see me ever really finding that again um, because your memory goes, you know, I know which car park we went to and I know where we used to go and I could perhaps go and find it. But sometimes it's difficult, you know, finding places in the wood, woodland really again, especially when mm. things change or whatever so not yeah. really because I don't get the sense that he was um attached to that place either I think it was just there was a storm brewing we were going out to the midsummer ritual maybe it was midsummer night maybe some sort of magical something maybe he allowed us to see him because because we were in that magical state and respecting the wood and all the rest of it like the other one I described to you earlier you know we were there we were part of it we were integrating with with the nature around yeah. us maybe we were allowed to see yeah. But I have no idea why he would um, show himself like that. Mm. Maybe it takes an effort to cloak themselves. Who knows, you know? Um, and then you, you can't be bothered if you think people are friendly. I don't know. Yeah, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? It really does. It's, well, because I live there and I used to walk in it very regularly. Um, you know, in, in any place you go to a lot, you get a sense of it, don't you? And, and we used to have ritual places there. And it's very, very magical, um, really magical place. It's incredible. I think it's a really magical, amazing place. Time to with our guest and I think through her encounter she offered a great example of how mundane fairy sightings can be. There was an open and relaxed acceptance between her and her friend about what they had seen and they simply carried on their way to the ritual event. Note that the fairy man is described as very real. The sound of his feet crunching on the leaves as he hurried past was experienced by both women and the interaction of nodding to each other in acknowledgement is wonderful. Our guest contrasts this experience to one which might be accessed via meditation, visualising through the third eye. This encounter in the park had felt very different to her. This appeared to be a physical being, such as humans appear. And it was, of course, an objective experience witnessed by her and her friend simultaneously. The fact that it was Midsummer's Eve is really the icing on the cake, and as often happens through these discussions on the Modern Fairy Sightings podcast, it felt like a revelation to her to remember this detail. Often, just through chatting about our experiences, we can glean more meaning from them. Midsummer's Eve, also known as Summer Solstice, makes up one of the eight points of the pagan calendar along with winter solstice, spring and autumn equinoxes, and the four festivals, Imolk in February, Beltane in May, Lunasa in August, and Samhain, popularly known as Halloween, in October. These are the times when the veil between the worlds is said to be thin, and humans may encounter or call upon spirits and beings of the other worlds with greater ease. Unlike many of the other encounters we've already heard, the appearance of a fairy going about his business marked no specific point for this particular guest. I have been thinking about why that might be. 
As discussed, she, as a practice witch, was familiar with the process of shifting into an altered state, and maybe, subconsciously, had already partly reached this state in readiness for the ritual. This process is something that can be very easily achieved by anybody through meditation, and with simple practice over time it becomes easier to slip into an altered state. But as we have heard in other episodes, seeing a fairy often marks a transition point in a lot of people's lives. These transitions can take many forms, including falling deeply in love, moving home, the loss of a loved one, having a career change, or making some other important life decision or realisation for themselves at a deep level. So for those people, perhaps it is the experience of strong emotions which makes it possible for them to shift into an altered state. Do emotions provide the medium through which we see fairies, or are fairies attracted to that strong emotion? Whether it be grief, lust, sadness, love, are fairies able to resonate and connect with us through our emotional state? These are the questions that I find very interesting. As noted at the beginning, this is the penultimate episode of the series and I can't quite believe we're at episode 11 already. I've really enjoyed creating these podcasts and I feel like I'm learning an awful lot. I hope you're enjoying this trip into the unknown as much as I am. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on all of this and also, dear listeners, I'd love to hear what you would like to hear more of in series two of the podcast. As always, please contact me at underscore remain underscore curious on Twitter or at scarletofthefay.com. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe, rate and share it with someone else whom you think might enjoy it. Thank you. For the last episode of the series, I'll be chatting with Dr. Neil Rushton. Neil has written two novels which feature fairy encounters, and he researches fairy folklore and experiences from esoteric perspectives, particularly achieved through altered states of consciousness. His website, deadbutdreaming.wordpress.com and Facebook page, The Fairy Code, are both chock full of excellent articles. I look forward to chatting with Neil and I hope you can join us. Until then, stay well, trust your trip and always remain curious.